Amen. Thank you, ladies. Appreciate that tonight. Take your Bibles, please. Turn to Exodus chapter 25. Exodus chapter 25. It's going to come apparent in a moment why I have this little lectern here instead of our normal pulpit. And I just wanted to illustrate a little bit tonight, and I didn't want something in my way. And so Exodus chapter 25, if you'll look there, I feel compelled uh, to share with you some plans that we are making at the church right now. Uh, Last night, the deacons and I got together and we discussed uh, some issues with our platform. And you're going to notice starting next Sunday, or sorry, Wednesday night, I guess starting Wednesday night, we won't be on the platform for a few weeks. We're going to make some repairs. And uh, as you know, if you've been here for any length of time, uh, when we built the building, the platform was back further and it was expanded uh, to put the organ in. And And that expansion is kind of cobbled together a little bit. It was done uh, last minute, I guess, and quickly. And uh, so it sags in places and it creaks in other places. Even our pulpit, if we don't lock it in just the right way, it starts rolling and and things like that. And uh, we felt like this is a good time to do some of those repairs as the floor is only getting worse and sagging even further. And so uh, for the next few weeks, they'll be taking up the carpet, working underneath the platform to reinforce it. And then we'll be putting new flooring down and uh, adding a few decorative touches uh, to, the, uh, to the choir loft that will match the front steps here. And so it'll be very exciting when you come back to church and see the, uh, the, the front, uh, kind of what we envisioned back in 2012. And uh, we got most of it done then, but now we'd like to finish the job. And so that'll be part of uh, uh, what we are doing for the next several weeks and why uh, we'll be in another room while we uh, share our services with you online. I'm hoping and praying that we can be back to church real soon, and so we want to get this project done quickly, uh, but we realize with what's going on in our society, we really need to pray uh, about that, and, and tonight, if you'll join us, I'm actually going to preach on that, and I, I cautioned our guys back in March, don't be preaching about a pandemic all the time, and I'm, and I'm not uh, planning on doing that, but I want to preach on our response. You know, we're, we're getting kind of from all directions, how should we respond I want to show you what the Bible says, how the Bible says we ought to respond in times of tribulation. Notice I didn't use the word persecution. I believe that some of our shops in town are going through the same thing, so it's not just a persecution, but there is some tribulation that we are facing, and how are we to respond as children of God? Honestly, I'm discouraged by what I see on some social media between born-again Christians talking to one another, not very kindly, and not very Christ-like. And so we need to make sure that we are controlling our tongues and making sure that we are answering, uh, all our answers are seasoned with the salt of God's word and making sure that we are uh, honoring Christ in all that we do. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit tonight. And uh, maybe I already have some of you tuning me out because I mentioned your social media. Please tune in, all right? Let's look at Genesis tonight, or sorry, Exodus chapter 25. Exodus chapter 25. I have a countdown timer and I, I don't know. It's getting bad around here, let me tell you. And uh, I, I told him I'm going to be a little bit longer. And so uh, we'll just welcome you right into the evening service when we're finished. Uh, before Christmas, before uh, we went to Texas for my mother-in-law's funeral, and for uh, that time I had been preaching through some of the different things of the tabernacle. And of course later that would be the temple. And some of the pieces of furniture and some of the things and what they represented. And I never got to finish one last message I wanted to preach. And, and God burdened me about that this week. And so I sat down and I went through. And, and I want you to understand something. When, when the great high priest goes into the Holy of Holies, he must follow a pattern. There's a path that he must take if he's going to meet with God. 
Now, I want you to notice something in Exodus chapter 25. I'm not going to read it all for the sake of time. In Exodus chapter 25, we read about that pattern. We read about the shape of the tabernacle and the different rooms or the courts of the tabernacle, as they're called. And we're going to start, we're not going to go right out into this, the court of the Gentiles, the court of the women. We're not going to talk about all them. We're going to start in the, uh, in the outer court. We're going to talk about where they made sacrifice. We're going to talk about that place where the blood was shed. We're going to talk about that place where they had the the golden laver or the wash basin. And the the priests of the tribe of Levi, most of them would do their work. We remember just a few weeks ago, Brother Steve Donnelly talking about that, the hand of a fit man. And that's where that priest would do his work. And the one priest would take his finger in the blood and he would throw, it was a bloody place. And the other would take that goat and he would drag him off into the, into the wilderness after the priest had prayed over that goat and symbolically placed the sins of God's people upon those, that goat and release him into the wilderness, signifying as far as the east is from the west. And how he removed our sins far from us. And if you were to read Exodus chapter 25, you would find all the instructions of the tabernacle. You would find the table of showbread. You would find the altar of incense. You would find the golden lampstand and the Ark of the Covenant and all these things that we've talked about over the last several weeks. But I want to direct your attention to just a couple verses, verse 8 and verse 9. The Bible says in Exodus 25 verse 8, and let them make me a sanctuary, listen to this, that I may dwell among them. I didn't hear any shouting, Brother Daniel. There, nobody in here got excited about that. I read that and it, and it tells me that God, God said, here's why I want to build a sanctuary. Here's why you need to erect a sanctuary. Here's why I need a holy place in the Holy of Holies. I want to live with you. I want to dwell among the people. Verse 9, according to all that I show thee after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments... Thereof even so shall ye make it. Let's pray. Father, help us. Help us understand the scriptures tonight. Help us to follow the path of that great high priest as he entered into the Holy of Holies. Help us understand what that means for us today. And Father, as you speak to our hearts and as the Holy Spirit of God speaks through me, I pray that you would ignite in our hearts an understanding and a desire to meet and dwell in the presence of God. Lord, maybe there's some that aren't saved tonight. They need to understand the message of the cross, which is painted so clearly in the message of sacrifice here tonight. So help us to see it. And Lord, we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If we were to read the rest of Exodus 25, we would come also to the veil Before Christmas, I preached a message entitled The Veil of His Flesh and how that veil of the tabernacle that was torn from top to bottom uh, when Jesus Christ said it is finished and gave up the ghost at Calvary. And the Bible says that God's hand took that veil and he tore it from top to bottom, allowing access into the Holy of Holies. We understand that that means that we, as the children of God, are not just children, but we are also priests. I think it is pretty much a distinctive of all Baptist churches I've ever been into that we believe in the priesthood of all believers, that we can go in boldly to the throne room of grace. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9 says, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal 
priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. We are the people of God, but better than that, we are a royal priesthood. We can go boldly into the throne room of grace. We can make our petitions to a holy God sitting upon the throne because Jesus Christ, our great high priest, has paved the way. Well, I want you to go back in time about 3,500 years. And I want you to picture with me tonight that tabernacle place. And if, if, if uh, in your mind, maybe in the back of your Bible, you have a diagram of it. Look there very quickly. Sometimes among the maps, they'll put a diagram of the temple mount or the tabernacle. I'm going to just picture for the sake of argument over here to my left. This is, of course, the east. We know that one day Jesus will arrive at the eastern gate. Amen. And we, we saw those steps, the eastern gate, when we were in Israel. And at the top of the eastern gate, they have sealed that gate with stones. But Jesus will blow that wide open. Nothing can stop the king of kings from taking his rightful place. But over here in the east, we're going to just say for the sake of argument, is the outer court. That outer court is the place where sacrifice was made. In the middle, there was an altar, a brazen altar, where they would sacrifice lambs and bulls and goats. It was a bloody place. It was the outer court where Christ does his work. It is a picture of the work of Calvary. It is a picture where blood is shed. It is a picture where sin meets grace. As we move from that outer court, and we're going to revisit all of these places, I just want to get them in your mind right now for tonight. So the eastern part of the platform here tonight, over here by the Oregon, we're going to call that the outer court, all right? Some people say that the, the, the Oregon is outer darkness, so that'll help you remember. How's that? So here we are in the outer court, and over here in the middle, we come into the holy place. And in the holy place, there is no light. And so they light a lampstand. The coats of the skins of the animals would darken that room. And you remember as I preached on that. And the only light in that room is the lampstand illuminating that room. Don't miss the imagery. Out here, what kind of light do we have? The sunlight. You know, the Bible says that in the place called heaven that Jesus is the light. The sunlight is out here, and here we have the work of the Holy Spirit. We have the illuminating work of the lampstand, burning with pure olive oil that was harvested from the crops of the people. And so that place is a place of illumination, and it represents the work of the Holy Ghost. But over here, as we go a little further through that veil, we come into the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies was that place that only the high priest could go, and there was no light in there at all. The priest did not carry a light in with him. It was total and under darkness until God showed up. And when God showed up, it was filled with his Shekinah glory. 
The priests didn't need a light there to take the blood and apply it to the altar because the light of God lit the room. And so we see the picture over here on the far east, we have the outer court. And it is there we see the work of Christ where blood is shed and sin meets grace. And here we have the illuminating work of the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about that in a moment, but don't lose the picture of where we're at. And over here we have the Holy of Holies and we have the very presence and power of God. I want to get from there to here. That's where I want to be. I want to get into his presence. You say, well, wait a minute. Doesn't the Bible say that only the great high priest can go in there? The great high priest is in there. He is seated at the right hand of his father. And he says this, come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, uh, come uh, boldly into the throne room of grace. And so we can go in to the Holy of Holies and we can make our petitions know. But I want to say this, that in order to get over there to the Holy of Holies, we have to follow the very same path that the high priest took. Now watch. As we go back out to that outer court, I want you to notice, first of all, it's a picture of suffering. This is a picture of suffering. Now, parents, you're going to want to cover your children's ears, but I'm going to tell you, don't do it. They need to hear. They need to understand what our sin costs. They need to understand that the priest would take that lamb or that sheep or that goat or that bull, and he'd put them up on that altar, maybe several priests wrestling together, and they'd put it up on that altar, and they'd lift his head, and with eyes to God and taking a prayer, they would slit his throat, and blood would flow. They would catch it in a chalice or a cup. More than that, they would skin those animals. They would throw that skin aside in one pile. They would take out its entrails and throw them in another place. The Bible says, as Brother Donnelly taught us a couple weeks ago, that the priest would take his finger and he'd take that blood and he'd throw it at all those priests that were robed in white. It was a terribly bloody place, but it was a place of suffering. If a turtle dove was the offering, if a family was impoverished and couldn't afford a lamb, they could offer two turtle doves and they would take that turtle dove and the priest would take that dove in the left hand and with the forefinger in his thumb, he would break its neck, twist it off with his hand and then pour its blood out. You say, you're being pretty graphic. I just want you to understand it's a picture of suffering. So many people want to somehow get into the presence of God and bypass the suffering of Christ. They want to bypass the blood. I like that old song. We didn't sing it tonight, but it would have went very well with our theme. I must go home by the way of the cross. There's no other way but this. It's a picture of suffering, but it's also a picture of sacrifice. Do you know when they brought a lamb, it had to be their best. It had to be their very best. I'm afraid today that nobody wants to sacrifice and they wonder why they have a shallow Christianity. Now, let me say this. Uh, Cindy Judge is here tonight. You heard her sing and Judy's here tonight and Daniel played piano for us. And if, if I were to take an offering, if I were to take an offering tonight, well, I would say, well, you know, Daniel's a lawyer. 
this would be a good chance to get an offering. Let's take an offering. And if Daniel gave $1,000 cash, that'd be wonderful. And then Judy over here says, well, I've had, I got five kids. I can't, and Cindy, I got four kids. I got to feed those guys. I can only afford $100. Can I say this? That doesn't make God love him anymore. It's not about dollars. It's not about how much we spend. The widow's two mites were worth far more than the Pharisees' piles of money. You might not be able to sacrifice anything financial. I don't know what God has put into your bank account, but what I'm saying is, are we living a sacrificial life? Are we giving of our time and our talents? Are we willing to say, well, I, I just don't know. I, I just kind of want to show up as I am, and I just want to run into church real quick and get a dose of vitamin C from the preacher, and I want to run out and take on my week. Hey, are you sacrificing? You're spending the time with God. It's a picture of suffering over here. It's a picture of sacrifice over here. They, they gave their very best. But I want you to know this, it's a picture of sin. This outer court is a picture of sin. 2014, I guess almost everybody in this room except for Daniel went to Israel. And, uh, but if I could take you back 3,500 years, and we are sitting in Simcoe, Ontario, and you know, it's before the cross of Calvary, but we're all, we're Jews and we're going to a local synagogue and we're learning the Old Testament and we are devout to God and we have faith. And somebody says, hey, let's do this. Let's get up a boat and let's go over to Israel. Uh, we're going to take a tour of Israel. I dare say that we wouldn't want to go into the outer court. It's a picture of sin. Have you ever, have you ever been, you've all done this. You ever been traveling somewhere? And, and men, you'll know what I mean. And your wife has to go to the bathroom. And she means now. You ever, you ever been on those trips? And so you pull off in an emergency and you go into some place. And when you get in there, it is, it looks like they killed seven people in there. It looks like they plucked chickens in there. It looks like, I mean, the place is an absolute pigsty. And you come out and you think, man, it stunk in there. It was nasty in there. I, I can't believe we had to come here, but I, it was an we don't, we don't plan on going to those places. You wouldn't plan on going to the outer court. Nobody says, hey, let's go and see that bloody mess. Let's go see that pile of entrails. And let's go see where the flies are piling up over here on the, the leftover meat. And, and, and the, the fur and the hair is piled over here. And there's blood flowing everywhere. Let's go see that. Well, the truth is, a lot of us live every day right in that place of sin. We don't leave it. We dwell in it. Can you picture with me, it's mostly ladies in here, picture the stench of that place. The smell of it. Do you like flies and insects? They'd be everywhere. Disgusting. That's what the outer court is. It's a picture of suffering and a picture of, of, of sacrifice and a picture of sin. But I want to say this. This is important. It's a picture of sanctification. You know what else was there was the golden laver. And so those priests, they would work and they would sacrifice and the high priest would come and he'd get that blood. I don't know how it worked. 
On the Day of Atonement, I can't imagine that he took the full amount of blood from every animal, but maybe just a little here and a little there and a little, and just kept filling it up. Because he would want to represent all the people. But whatever he did, that high priest, standing so close to where they would slit a throat, where they drained the blood from the life of a turtle dove, standing beside the priest that was flicking his finger at everybody with blood, he'd be covered himself. But before he could go into the holy place, he had to stop and wash. Sanctify. Clean up all that remnant of sin. Because when we go into the holy place, we find an atmosphere of worship. They had to leave behind a picture that, that under, and they say, listen, well, come on, a little wash basin, and even if he stood there and washed for an hour, it's not possible to get it all off. Understand this, it was symbolic. He was to cleanse himself and clean himself the best he could that he could come into that holy place and find an atmosphere of worship because we find a couple things in there. We find the lampstand. And so I want to say tonight, first of all, it is a ministry of illumination. That lampstand would shine upon the table of showbread. You remember a few weeks ago, I talked about the table of showbread. It was tiny, wasn't it? It was short. Even a child could reach it. But that light shining upon the table of showbread, I, I don't know if this means anything. I was just saying this to my wife last night as I thought about it. We know that they took a piece of bread for each of the 12 tribes of Israel and they laid them side by side and the light of the Holy Spirit shined upon it. We know that the bread is Jesus. The Bible says that he is the bread of life. But we also know that the bread is the word of God. And the illuminating Holy Spirit is shining upon the word of God. Now I don't know if this means anything, but it's six and six, 66. Did God ordain that before he ever finished the Bible? I don't know. But two piles of six pieces of bread lay there and it's the light. Now think about this. Those priests would find their way over to the word as the Holy Spirit illuminated it. Can I say this? These people over here even the man who just came through the door and brings his sacrifice and lays it on the altar. And they slit its throat and the blood is shed and the priest takes and begins to, he's going to get some on him. He may not be as dirty as those priests that have been ministering there day and night. He may not be as covered as they are. It may not be in his hair and all over his body, but he is covered nonetheless. And he's just carried an animal in and he's had it inspected and he's taken it to the priest. And so by carrying this animal, he's become dirty. And, and, and the blood that has been flying around that place, he is covered. But the problem is so many of us stay right there. And we never see what they see under the illumination of the Holy Spirit. You see, it's that crowd out there that says, I don't, separation? I don't, I don't understand why you folks preach on separation. I look okay with a little blood on me, a little sin. You're just too judgmental. 
The reason is because they've never come into the holy place and allowed the light of the Holy Spirit to shine upon the word of God and illuminate in their hearts. And and they say, well, I don't understand, preacher, why you preach against drinking. Why do you think? Uh, Listen, because the Bible says wine is a mocker and strong drink is raging. Uh, Listen, you want to drink wine? It's going to mock you. It destroys families. But until the Holy Spirit of God illuminates the word of God, people out here that are entrenched in sin, they don't, oh, they might get in here once in a while and they might hear the choir sing and they might sit in a pew, but they don't actually see the illumination of the Holy Spirit because they've never had an outer court experience. They've never actually been saved. My friend Alistair McKenzie said this, He says, you know when I got saved, nobody ever had to tell me to read my Bible. He says, I just started reading the Bible. I have a friend, Kevin, Gord Spong's nephew. Kevin said this, he says, I got saved at Bethel Baptist Church. He says, you know the night I got saved, I never smoked again. He said, not necessarily because I didn't crave it, but because something changed in me and I just knew that just doesn't seem right for a Christian. That just doesn't seem like someone out of... The Holy Spirit illuminated it. And so we moved into the holy place and we find the ministry of illumination. It represents God's Holy Spirit illuminating the word of God. Uh, Listen to this. John 4, 24. Do you know what Jesus said? God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him how? In spirit, the illumination, and truth, the bread. I believe Jesus was referring back to the holy place. Do you know what else is in that room? Not only do we see the ministry of illumination, we see the ministry of incense. Over here on the other side was an altar of incense. Smoke was going up to God. It represents our prayers and our worship. Our prayers and our worship. Here's what happens When the Holy Spirit of God illuminates the word of God and God begins to work it into your heart, you'll want to worship. Just singing these songs tonight about the truths of Calvary and the blood that was shed and how Christ saved my soul, it it began to stir my heart and we we sang an extra song that we weren't even planning on singing just because God was moving and, and said, let's sing more about Jesus, let's sing more about his crucifixion, let's praise him and worship him a little more. You see, when God's light shines, then it pushes us into worship. That's what the incense represented. So the great high priest came to work on the Day of Atonement and he would start over here and he would collect that blood. Then he would sanctify himself. Then he'd come into that holy place and there the light would illuminate that bread. And once he got his fill, he would worship the ministry of incense. But then you know what happened next? He would go into the Holy of Holies. Once we start worshiping in spirit and truth, do you know what the Bible says? Go back to Exodus chapter 25, verse 8. Does the Bible say that God wanted to dwell only with the high priest? No, it says he wants to dwell with them. I don't believe that God ever wanted a veil. I think God was quite pleased by coming into the garden and saying, Hi, Eve, how are you? 
How was your day? Adam, how are you doing? A veil represents separation from God. God never wanted it that way. He wanted to dwell with his people. The Bible says in the end times that behold, that great city will come down and the Lamb of God will sit upon the throne and the Bible says he shall dwell with them and they shall be his people. And forever we will be with the Lord. That's what we long for and that's what we look for. But in the Holy of Holies we find this this place and I want you to look if you will in Revelation chapter 1. I'll give you a verse there, Revelation chapter 1. I'm I, I, I could have preached an hour tonight, but I'm trying my very best to get this in so you can have Sunday school. Look at Revelation chapter 1. The Bible says in verse 5 of Revelation 1, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and hath made us kings and what? Priests. Unto God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Listen, if you are washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, you have been made a priest unto God. The Bible says in 1 Peter 2, 9, that we already read at the beginning of this message that we are a royal priesthood. God has done something for us. Now here's the thing. Revelation chapter 1, verse 5 talks about those who are washed from their blood and has made us kings and priests. The word is plural. That means everybody is individually responsible. I wish, I wish that on those days that I knew that I could get into the Holy of Holies and I knew that God was working through my heart and my life in such a way when I'm just overwhelmed and the tears come. By the, by the way, do you know what incense gives off? It gives off smoke and that burns the eyes a little bit. That's, that's just for free. Sometimes we get a little teared up. I wish I could say to others, come, come in here. I wish I could say to our teens, hey, you need to get in here. Don't Don't... Don't stay over here. Young people, if, if anybody's listening, this is a place of sin. This is a place of suffering. It's necessary if you want to go to the next step. You can't get in there. Unless you, but don't stay here. But in here, it's a place of worship. The Holy Spirit is ministering and working. But if we can get over here, is when we'll get into his presence. But you have to go through those first. I don't know that I've ever gotten into here without worshiping. I've never, never. I can't remember, and you say, well, are you so pious that you're saying, listen, I wish I was over here more. I wish I could say I walk here all the time, that I'm just in the presence of God. All I wish I could say that. But I, I do believe I've experienced it. I do believe that there's been a, a feeling in my heart and in my soul, and my heart begins to, to beat a little harder, and, I, and my tear, eyes begin to well up with tears, and I, I begin to praise God, but it's never come unless I've spent some time here. In the Word of God and in the worship of God, it never happens. 
Do you know even the great high priest had to wear bells around his tassels? Because if he had stepped in there without doing this, he'd drop dead. If he wasn't properly sanctified from this, he'd drop dead in there. And they wanted to hear the bells moving all the time. And if the bells stopped ringing, they would drag him out with a rope that was tied around his foot. He was dead. He had to be sanctified and he had to worship. Oh, we're so, we're so, oh we, don't, we, don't, we don't worship. We're deeper life. We... You're missing out. You're missing out. Let me give you three things very quickly of what we learn in there. Do you know what's in that room? The Ark of the Covenant. But on top of the Ark of the Covenant is the mercy seat. Do you know what's inside the Ark of the Covenant? There's three things. Number one is the tablets of the law. Do you know where the tablets of the law are? They're underneath the mercy seat. God covered them with mercy. Do you know where they put that blood? They poured on the mercy seat. The law is covered by blood. You say, well, I, I don't know if I can keep the law. I don't know. Hey, you don't have to. God already knows you can't. That's why he put it under mercy and under blood. So what I want to say to you tonight that is over here, we learn that God hates sin. We see the judgment of it everywhere. Blood is just scattered abroad. We learn here that God hates sin, but over here we learn that God loves. Because our, the law is covered by the blood. You know what else is in that? The budding rod of Aaron. You remember when the Levites were fighting for the priesthood and they took that rod and they, Aaron's is the one that budded. God said, put that in the ark. It tells us in Hebrews it's in there. You say, why'd they put it in there? Because it represents life. God is love, but God is life. You know what we learn over here? We learn over here the wages of sin is death. But if we can get into the holy place and we can worship a little while, and we can get a little filled with God, then we can go over here and realize that God is life. God is life. This crowd over here, there's, there's some folks in this church that are living right here. Live like the devil all week and come to church trying to get cleaned up and trying to get right. Listen, you have to sanctify before you can worship. You say, well, why don't I ever have that worship experience? Because you haven't sanctified yourself. Do you know how much prayer goes into a service around here? People are praying and people are, we have Friday prayers, we have ladies' prayers, we have, we have all these times, and what are, they, what are they praying for? We come in here Saturday night and we pray. Why? We're preparing our hearts to meet with God. It takes some work. So we have people living over here and they're, and they're just, they come every week and they come religiously. Why? Because they want to know, I, I want to have life. And they're living in death. I want to have life and so I'll go to church. And some even get in here and they look around and they wonder what everybody else is doing. Well, why are they over there on their knees and why are they praying? Why are they weeping? Why are they worshiping like that? Can't we just stand straight up and sing a hymn? Well, sure you can. 
Well, don't, you'll never know if you're saved. Listen, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to attach works to salvation. Don't get me wrong. I, I'm talking about you're, you're not experiencing God. You're just going through the, you're prophesying in his name and you're preaching in his name and you're, you're casting out demons in his name. But Jesus says, I never knew you. And you're wondering, well, I'll tell you this, I, I've met a lot of people here, church members. I've met hundreds of people over the years that will doubt their salvation more than they'll have eternal security of their salvation. But can I tell you this? If you ever get in here, you will never, ever doubt if God loves you. You'll never doubt it. You'll, you'll know in his presence that he loves you, and you'll know that he lives. Do you know what else is in that, that ark? A pot of manna. Do you know what manna was? Manna was given to the Israelites every day while they were in the wilderness, except for the Sabbath day. And the day before the Sabbath, they were to gather twice as much. Now, here's the problem. If they gathered it on Monday, what they did not eat would rot, and it'd be no good to eat the next day. It'd be gone. And that was true every day except on the last day of the week where they could gather enough for that day and the Sabbath. And it would not rot. God would supernaturally preserve it. You would think, why would you put a pot of manna in the ark if it's going to be gone overnight or in the very best two days? But that pot of manna never deteriorated. Here's a third lesson we get from in here. God lasts. God lasts. He will never leave you nor forsake you. That's why the man is in there to remind the Israelites, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. There's always manna. There's always bread. And God supplies for our need. Listen, friend, I want to encourage you tonight. And My time is gone. We need to quit living out here. Covered in blood, covered in sin. Oh, we might wash up real quick and run into here. Some, some get in here without washing up. Listen, I, I've, never, I've never believed that a sinner needs to clean up to get saved, but I believe that Christians ought to sanctify themselves to worship. Don't get those two things confused. A sinner doesn't have to clean up to come to the Savior and get saved. I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that a Christian ought to take some time to, to be sanctified in, either, in, in order to worship properly. But then when we worship properly, we move closer into God's presence. This is the pattern that the high priest would have to follow to know his presence. The Bible says if you're saved today, you are a royal priesthood. You've been invited to go boldly into the throne room of grace. Can I ask you, what are you waiting for? Here's what catches most of us. There are some things that are on us over here that we do not want to wash off in order to go over there. There are some things that we just, in order to, to experience the very presence of God, we have to put off some things. We have to sanctify ourselves, and we're just not willing to do it. Then you're always going to live in doubt. You're always going to wonder the child of God gets over there and never doubt for a minute that God loves them, that God lives, and that God lasts. That's the message of the ark. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes for a moment tonight. 
Maybe there's one say, Pastor, I'm not sure I'm saved. If I were to die, I don't know if I have eternal life. I'm, I'm in that outer court, and I've, for years I've been watching what's going on. I've been watching, I've been watching sacrifice after sacrifice, and I hear often you preaching that Jesus Christ died once and for all, so none of that has to happen anymore. And he did. He paid the price, so no more lambs, goats, but he was the perfect lamb. John called him the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. But you must trust him tonight. You must be cleansed of your sin. You see, there's, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. There's, there's, there's no way past that place, that place of sin, that place of suffering, that place of sacrifice. There's no way past that until you trust Christ. Maybe you're dwelling here in the middle. You're a faithful churchgoer. Is the Holy Spirit of God illuminating to you the word of God? Are you worshiping him, the ministry of incense? Is God stirring your heart regularly? You know what that is? That's revival. Revival can't be scheduled. We, we have revival meetings. We, we set our, somebody says you can set the sails to catch the wind of revival. And that's what we try to do with meetings like that. Just have an atmosphere where we get away for a few days from the world and just have preaching and singing and learn from God and ask God to stir us. But the true revival is when you can get into this place and that the Holy Spirit of God illuminates the word of God and it pushes us into a place of worshiping God. You don't even have to be with a room full of people. You can do that all by yourself. Oh, it's sweet sometimes in a group, but it's sweet when it's all by yourself too. But the whole goal is to get over there in the presence of God, where we learn that he loves, he lives, and he lasts. Let me encourage you to make a move tonight. If you're not saved, you need to trust Christ. We'd like to help you with that. There's a number on the screen right now. You can call us. You can text us. You can get on the website and email us. Uh, whatever you need to do, we'll try to do our best to help you understand how you can be saved through Jesus Christ. Maybe tonight you're in this place where you, you're going to church, but you don't understand why everybody's so excited, why there's worship going all around you, and you're just not getting it in your heart. Let us help you with that. Come to God tonight and say, I need to sanctify some things. I'm, I'm coming to church. And, you know, we've said that so many times. You don't have to get cleaned up to come to church. I'm going to say it once again. You don't, you don't have to be cleaned up to get saved, but you need to be sanctified to properly worship. A child of God, listen, to whom much is given, much is required. We have a whole different set of, of things that God has asked us to do to meet with him. It ought not surprise us that a holy God would ask us to do some things. It doesn't mean he loves you any less or loves you any more just because you do something. I'm just saying that we need to sanctify our hearts that we can worship him properly. Would you pray that tonight? Our Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you and praise you for all that you've done for us. Lord, I pray that the message would stir my heart, not because it's something I have said, but because it's from the word of God. Lord, we, we just looked at all those different patterns that were laid out. The ones that we've been preaching for the last little while and we just put them all together and just showed what the priest would do 
to get into your presence. God, may that be our goal. For the lost tonight, may they be saved. For the cold Christian, may they be struck with the revival fires. Lord, help us, Lord, we pray. Speak to hearts. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.